And therefore, as a free man, I take pride in the words, Ich bin ein Science! Science! Yes. I know the human being and science can just peacefully. This was now finest. Guys, this is Petri Dish. I'm Nathan. I'm joined here with Sean. Hi. And Andre Day. I'm back. I guess we're going to talk about some shit that's super cool to me because I used to play a lot of video games. Mind machine interfaces. You used to play a lot of video games? <laughs> yeah, I did used to play a lot of video games. <laughs> you still do. <laughs> oh, yeah, I do. I play it's, mostly... like, it's like that Mitch Hedberg uh, act, you know? I used to do drugs. I still do drugs. <laughs> but, but I used to, too. Okay. I used to yeah. as well. Okay, hardy fucking hard, guys. All right. <laughs> I'm also very happily married. Nah. Anyway, so we got to talk about... The different ways that we can read the mind, the, the ways that maybe we can make machine interfaces with the mind, and then maybe even where that'll go in the future. Yeah, so I mean, you know, we've all seen The Matrix, right? And we all thought it was super cool that Keanu Reeves could download how to do kung fu and all those different martial arts. And I think that intrinsically that was very attractive to all of us. So is there some kind of way that we could hook up our minds to something like the internet and download all this information and maybe do it without having to stick some kind of crazy needle shit into the back of our heads, like into our brains or something, right? And so is there some other way we can do these interfaces and what's the current state of that technology? And so I think that is what this episode, Mind Machine Interface, is going to be all about. So how do you read the mind? Yeah, good question, dude. I don't know where everyone is coming from on this, but reading the mind involves reading electrical or magnetic fields, and those are made by the neurons that are inside of our minds. So, I don't buy it. What? How is it that the thing that goes zip-zap into my microwave is also what makes me have thoughts? That shit's not the same. Oh. Microwaves use microwaves. Yeah, but you gotta put the electricity into the microwave, right? <laughs> fucking damn it. God damn it. Now okay. you just put some plutonium in Look, its asshole and brains, it just eats up your shit. About half the cells in your brain are neurons. And those neurons are able to use electric charge to send signals. And that creates an electric field. And we have a lot of different devices that can measure electric fields, like electrodes. And basically, at that point, we're just reading what these different neurons are sending out. Okay, wait a minute, though. Like, how can you say, so my neuron goes zip, zip, zap, right? Yep. And then, like, a scientist reads where they go zip, zap, and then is like, oh, well, he's thinking about chicken right now. <laughs> like, like how, how can you read that? Like, I mean, right. it probably takes a lot of, like, knowing what you thinking about chicken looks like electromagnetically mm. before you can then reinterpret unknown thoughts. So this is more of the personalized medicine stuff we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, kind of. So, so first thing I would say is... What you can read out of the mind depends on where you're reading it from. So so you have these signals going on in the brain, right? But I don't know, sometimes on TV shows or whatever, you'll see people sticking like the little sticky pads on somebody's skull, right? They'll like shave their head and then they'll put the little sticky pads on. Yeah, is that real? <laughs> yeah, that's a real thing. It's called an electroencephalogram, okay? Yeah, yeah. Which <laughs> electro is electricity, encephalo means head. 
and Graham means reading. It's not that exciting. It's just, it, electricity brain read. I'm still pretty excited. <laughs> I once saw a party game where you put like a little visor on your head and you can control like airflow to like move a ball through things. Right. So wait, that's real shit. That's a real thing. Like yeah, that's yeah, a product. Yeah. That's buy. Jimmy Neutron, dude. That's not real, dude. Look, so that's here, Nickelodeon. Here's the thing: is that your brain has different zones in it. Okay, and those different zones control different bodily functions. All right, and the encephalograms that you read from outside of your head, the ones that are, you know, to go from your brain to the outside of your head, you have to go through something called the dura mater, and then you have to go through the skull and your skin and maybe your hair. Once you get that far out, you're reading really general signals, right? You're not seeing a specific neuron blast off. You're seeing a bunch of neurons in maybe like the front of your head go. And then some neurons in the back go. And because your brain is set up to work in different zones, readings that far out are still specific enough that you can you can like play Pong or something like that. You know, where there's not that many things to control. How the fuck do you play Pong? Yeah. Like you think Pong and then that lights up a part of your brain and then like the helmet reads that lighting up and then moves the thing? I mean, I think the way it works is you have like a paddle, right? Or a virtual paddle. And you first you have to register, right? So like you think left and you know the machine registers what your brain patterns look like when you're thinking left. And then you think right, it registers those patterns. And then you start playing and it just determines between left and right. Yeah, and it, it doesn't have to be left and right. It could be like what you think cheese smells like and then what it's like to eat a pizza. And so long as these are our thought patterns that you can reproduce reliably, you can train a machine to kind of understand what that signal looks like. That shit is crazy, dude. Yeah, but still, so from that far out, you're only kind of getting vague ideas. So you're right, though, that like using this kind of system, using uh, an electroencephalogram, you wouldn't be able to just take a random person, put it on their head, and be like, think about pizza, and then have a computer draw what that pizza looked like. Right. That's way too not specific. At best, the computer can just learn how to interpret consistent signals, but very diluted signals because, the, you know, these electrons, they're inside your skull. Well, I was about to ask, what if you got like your electrosupergram like in the brain? Right. Yeah. So so you can do something called electrocardiography. And in this case, you're going to take off that hair. You're going to take off that skin. You're going to pop that skull open. Okay? Yeah. And then you're either going to be on top or below what's called the dura mater. So the dura mater is kind of where the nerves... Um, now, like, that seems kind of intense just to play Pong. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah. I don't like Pong that much. Yeah. Maybe World of Warcraft. Maybe that's what <laughs> um, Yeah, so, so at that point, you're putting sort of like... Uh, you're rolling out a whole sheet of electrodes to cover some part of their brain. You might be like literally just touching their brain with the sheet of electrodes for detection, okay? So this is, this is getting much closer to the source. So you get a way better signal. You get a cleaner signal, and that means that you can distinguish more kinds of thoughts. Have we done that? Oh yeah, we do that all the time. Does that kill a person? No. You just put the head back on? I mean, you don't, you don't you don't cut their heads off. Yeah, yeah you mean the skull? And everything? Yeah, yeah, you can put the skull back on. Sure, yeah, yeah. But I mean, you can. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen videos like this, but people who have brain surgeries, a lot of times they'll be awake for it, and they'll be doing a brain surgery on a particular part, and they'll see if they've reached that zone by like asking you to say the alphabet or something. 
<laughs> and then they'll kind of poke with an electrode on a spot, and suddenly you'll like not be able to say the alphabet anymore. There'll be people who'll be like A B C blah blah blah. Yeah, I've <laughs> heard like, of people poking. playing instruments while they're doing brain surgery on them. Right. Yeah. You exactly. Know? So you, you I'm can... not comfortable with that at all. <laughs> <laughs> Open brain surgery while you're awake is a thing that happens a good amount. Well, yeah, I don't like that. <laughs> wait, wait. So so why don't you feel any pain? Right. Yeah, that's a good question. The dura mater, which is kind of, um, it's sort of like a skin under your skull. You have your skin out here, and you got your skull, and then under that you have the dura mater, and that is what has nerves that sense pain in them. It's like when you get a headache, it's from those nerves, not any nerves in your head. I hate your, the dura mater. Your actual brain doesn't have any pain sensing nerves in it, so you can poke all you want around in the brain, and people can't feel it. But they might. You might just the forget Spanish. Right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, someone spoke to my brain then. <laughs> I don't remember a whole lot of that. Yeah. So this eco G, the electrocardiography, where you're doing it under the skull level, you get better resolution, you get better signal. But still, it's kind of the average of a lot of neurons. Neurons are cells. They're really fucking small, right? And when you're looking at these electrodes, you're averaging thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of neurons together. Into kind of these broader signals. So so if we're going to really read the brain right, we need to read a single neuron. It would be nice to, to be able to read single neurons or like low hundreds, low thousands of neurons at a time. So it's still true that neurons have a tendency to signal in concert. They have a tendency to kind of as groups signal together. But in like the thousands, right? Not like the hundreds of thousands. And so it would be nicer to have probes that go into your brain to detect what small groups of neurons are doing. Then you could get really fine-tuned information about what people are thinking. Do you think the strings inside neurons are finely tuned towards each other? Like, how does this what? integrate into quantum physics? <laughs> uh, you know, that's interesting. What's your quantum theory of the mind? <laughs> Is that an unrelated subject? I, I don't know if you're joking or not, but, like, <laughs> there are some people who posit a quantum theory of the mind. Yeah, um, I, as with all my jokes... I'm also not joking. Yeah, it, it would be difficult to discuss all of the pros and cons of that particular idea. But there is this general sense that um, neurons ultimately function on a level that could have something to do with elementary particles like electrons. I mean, doesn't, doesn't that have to be true? And we just haven't figured it out yet? Here's the thing, is that a lot of quantum effects that are uniquely quantum, that don't translate well up to like... Uh, our scale, like baseballs and cars and shit like that. Sure. A lot of those quantum effects are uh, like entanglement and quantum tunneling and stuff like that. Those things are usually easily broken in wet, chaotic environments where there's Which a lot of Which the brain atoms. is very wet and chaotic. Yes. And some quantum effects are better preserved at cold temperatures, which is why some quantum computers are super cooled and stuff like that. Now, that said... <laughs> God damn, this is so far out of the brain stuff. There are some cases where people are pretty sure that there are biological quantum effects. For example, in photosynthesis, which is super far out of the brain stuff, in photosynthesis, there's something called the electron transport chain. And some people think that the electron transport chain is quantum in that it searches all paths and then converges on the shortest path for the electron chain, which is that's essentially what the quantum schrodinger's sure collapses right into the right way same single wave function right and th there's a lot of people who suggest that photosynthesis is too efficient to not be 
quantum. That's fucking cool, dude. Yeah, that's crazy. So there's some people who are like, well, why not our brain? And we just don't have enough data on it. I don't give a fuck if that's not about the brain. That's insane, <laughs> dude. That's like the coolest shit we've ever talked about. What the okay. fuck, dude? So going back to what you were talking about, though, <laughs> yeah. you, you, you mentioned putting like actual electrodes in your brain. Yeah. I don't know about you. I don't want any holes drilled in my brain unless I really got to have them, you know? Yeah. Pussy. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I think it's going to be a really interesting question of what people tolerate and what kind of benefits come out of it. But for right now, I think most solutions, like, for example, all of the shit that DARPA is funding, DARPA is making big funding on mind-machine interface. One of their rules for the funding is it's supposed to be non-invasive or minimally invasive. And so what they want is maybe maybe you just drill a little tiny hole and you put something in, and then that thing you put in spreads itself throughout your brain or something. How like does that. it spread itself? <laughs> like yeah. a bunch of little like micro particles or, or like Asperger's like... Niger? God damn it! What? <laughs> Aspergillus Niger? Black mold? <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a mold interface. <sighs> you son of a bitch! You told me about that once. <laughs> For sci-fi. You're just too. You're having too much fun saying Asperger's is the issue. <laughs> That's such a good word. Anyway, um. There's a lot of different potential ways. And I mean, you know, there's labs working on this shit right now with some of that good DARPA money. Look at DARPA being so ethical. The American government always being so ethical. <laughs> I don't know if it's got anything to do with ethics, but <laughs> definitely microparticles, nanoparticles, but then also self-unfolding nano sheets. So it'll be like a sheet that you kind of roll up and it's nano so you can still fit it into a needle. And then you inject it out of the needle, and it spreads itself over the area. That's wow. the coolest shit so, ever besides photosynthesis. <laughs> so, you know, all that shit's pretty crazy. And I do think that the non-invasiveness is a really good question. And we'll talk a little bit about some of the applications. But basically, in general, you have these different parts of your brain. And some of them we understand better than other parts. The frontal cortex has like a bunch of emotion shit. That's hard to know anything about. But the motor cortex controls uh, sensation and movement. And so these different cortexes, uh, we have a better idea about because people will like poke apart and like their arm will jerk. And be like, all right, like we know what that controls and everything, right? Right, right, right. And so you can set up electrodes in those spots and get really fine-tuned information about if somebody's thinking about moving their arm or something. So a lot of that technology is where we're at right now. And I think that that's the kind of idea that we're we're trying to work on is being able to use these electrodes or maybe more of these electrodes to be able to read what people are thinking about doing. So that sounds like we're just, we're just in it. We're going to mind interface stuff then. We're already mind interfacing stuff. Um, but uh, I'll, I'm going to talk about some more details. Let's take a quick break and then let's go into some of the stuff that like we're currently doing. My name is Jimmy Coconuts, and I'm here to talk to you about the fall of the Roman Empire! Yay! The last Roman Emperor was Romulus Augustus in 476, but Rome had been in decline for centuries before that! Military adventurism, increasingly symbolic democratic institutions, and gaping wealth inequality polluted the early vision of Rome so completely that people lost faith in the idea of Rome itself! Yay! Are you thinking what I'm thinking? Yeah, yeah you are! They need it! Coconuts! Coconut togas! Coconut bathhouses! Aqueducts filled with coconut milk! Think of what the world would have been if the Romans had planted coconuts! Peace on Earth! No more war! Infinite coconuts! So come on down to Jimmy Coconut's Coconut Emporium in Orange County! 
Okay, guys, we're back to Petri Dish. My mind is fucking blowing. We're interfacing with machines. Okay. Yeah, girl. And what we're about to talk about is the shit that blows my mind, which is what we're doing now. Yeah, so we're, we are doing this stuff. Just, just so that everybody understands, um, you know, the, this isn't just stuff that we're planning to do in lab or anything like that. Like, you, you can currently interface with a machine. Yeah, there are consumer versions of products where totally uninvasive you put something on like, on your head or around your head and control a cursor with your mind after some initial setup for relatively cheap see this is what i love about you andre is you're not a scientist but you are a consumer with a scientific mind <laughs> <laughs> like like whatever sean is researching you'll know about as a consumer product yeah <laughs> You can go out there, you can buy this stuff, you can control, you know, maybe a mouse cursor on the screen. There's a training period where a computer works to interpret what your different thought patterns should do to a mouse. And so, you know, in a mouse, you're moving things in two dimensions, and then maybe you're clicking or something like that, right? There's a lot of more complicated motions that might require more input. So, you know, the visor thing that you put around your head, there's an ultimate limitation to how much information that can pick up governed mostly by how much information comes out of your brain and how muddled it is. Every single neuron has its own electric field and the further away you get from them, the more those fields overlap. Okay. So it's like trying to listen to a conversation when there's millions of people talking in a room, right? The further away you get from it, it just sounds kind of like a low buzz. Okay. But we can do a lot of stuff already. There's people who are paraplegic or quadriplegic, and we've been able to set up mind-machine interfaces where they can use robotic arms. And so, you, you know, they, they basically have learned how to think certain thoughts that will control where the robotic arm moves, and then the robotic arm has a hand that can grasp things. And basically the next step for that, because already people are getting really good at that, really good at manipulating their environment using robotic arms, the next step is feedback. Because when we move our arms around, we have different sensations like proprioception and somatosensory feedback. What all of that is, is like you can feel, even with your eyes closed, you can tell you're moving your arm. Like there's a sense of your body. And it's even related to like phantom limb syndrome, right? So even people who don't have that limb anymore can close their eyes and still get an idea like they have that limb and even move it around. And so that sensation, and when you grab things, there's a feedback, yeah. right? So, so what you're talking about is like, when I go to grab an egg, I feel that I'm touching the egg, and that information going to my brain then lets my brain tell my arm, okay, stop squeezing or you'll break it. Right, exactly. You know, it, it's That's my problem. <laughs> yeah. That never gets sent back, so I just kill the rabbit. <laughs> you know, when you're closing your arm around like a can of Coke or something, you're not thinking that you want to close your fingers by a certain number of inches. You're waiting until you get a sensation that you're gripping it, and then you stop. Yeah. Does that make me weird that I think in terms of millimeters? <laughs> I'm like, close finger by one millimeter. Maybe you are paraplegic and those are robot arms. <laughs> this whole time. <laughs> yeah. They I'm never like, told you. I'm like that chick who married Krillin in Dragon Ball Z. I'm an android. Oh, okay. That's a long way to get to android. Yeah, holy shit. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So what you're touching on, though, is the information has to go both ways. Right. Yeah, exactly. So right now, a lot of the stuff that we do 
very easily is read stuff coming out of the brain. What we need to do better and that we've been working on actively is sending electric signals into the brain and having the brain interpret that in some kind of useful way. But I, I gotta say, you know, like this shit 10 years ago, 20 years ago was just the next step we had to do. We have successfully done these experiments. So there, there are paraplegic people who have electronic feedback from the robot arms that they're using and have felt a sensation like they're gripping something. How can people be anti-vaxxers in a world where that's what we're doing with technology? It's like, how the hell? <laughs> like, what's going on, man? I mean, there's still people who believe in flat earth. Yeah, like, <laughs> I want to meet the flat it's... earther who has a robotic arm. Who's <laughs> like, yeah, science figured that out, but the world's flat. <laughs> well, yeah, what? so, so you know, one, one of day. the things that what they've done is they've been able to basically send electrical signals into the part of the brain of a tetraplegic person that's normally related to sensing like what your hand is doing. So tetraplegic is like all the limbs. Right, so, so they don't have function of any of their limbs, but when scientists were sending these electrical signals, they could interpret them as a feeling in their hand. Like there was a pressure in their hand. They don't have a hand. But they, they felt like there was something pushing down on their hand for probably the first time in a very long time. Would this work for someone who was just born with no arm ever? Right. So that, that's a fascinating question. And what we found out is that, um, so there's something called neuroplasticity. Okay. So our brains are hooked up in sort of a general pattern where there are certain zones that tend to control certain things, but there's enough leeway that our brains can change it up a little bit. That's actually one of the complications to mind-machine interfaces is our brains from person to person are not consistent on this. So one person thinking about pizza, that's not gonna be the same electrical signals as a different person thinking about pizza. And in fact, there are some people who do not have arms, have never had arms since they were born, and their feet are hooked up to the same neuronal areas that hands usually are. Mm. So they'll be as dexterous with their feet because they have the same level of control over them that's normally used in kind of neuronal space for your hands. So that's why Daredevil is so good at, like, ninja shit. Well, but Dare Daredevil lost his sight because of some, like, chemical explosion thing, right? So Daredevil's, like, a comic. <laughs> it's not based in science. <laughs> you brought it up! I'm just saying, that's... Andre, man. Andre's always talking about Daredevil. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. But look, I guess what I am saying is that I think... The answer is yes. I think that people who have never had that ability do have the capacity to have the neuroplasticity to basically form new connections related to stimuli they've never had before. But I think that goes beyond those people. This is going a little bit into our last section. You know, we're not quite there yet. But I actually believe that people who have all of their limbs might be able to develop the ability to move robotic limbs or robots or something completely separate from their body. We could have eight arms instead of two. Like Dr. Um, Octavius. Exactly like oh, Doc Ock. Exa so, so villainous. What's, so what's some other cool shit that we can do right now? Right, so uh, one thing I'll say is that one of the examples where we have delivered signals to the brain is through things like cochlear implants. So things that can help people hear is still basically stimulating nerves from audio information. So the, kind of the audio form will come in to a computer and the computer will convert that into electrical impulses that it'll send down nerves in your head into your brain. And then your brain, for some people who have been deaf their entire lives, will have to learn how to interpret those signals as some kind of sound. Now, you know, cochlear implants but What are about, like, I've seen videos of babies getting cochlear implants 
and it's like the difference is night and day like immediately from what i've seen like there's no like learning process it's like they switch it on and all of a sudden the baby's like holy crap i can hear sounds yeah so for babies i think one of the great things is that they're still young enough that the nerves are there waiting for signal for some people who are older adults some of those nerves have atrophied because of lack of signal ah. right so it, it takes a little bit to and, and neuroplasticity for infants is way different yeah. than for adults that but but in any case they're they're enervated properly like those kids have those nerves waiting but uh, you know what i will say is cochlear implants are great but right now they basically have 16 electrodes so they can sort of send some mix of 16 some combination of those 16 electrodes can light up compared to 3,500 neurons that are normally involved with hearing. So these people are not hearing the full scope of what we're hearing. They're hearing some shit, though. It's like MP3 versus, like, lossless, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I think MP3 is way closer to lossless than, <laughs> than 16. And, you know, we, we have retinal implants, too, that are starting to go out there. And so shit. in these cases, you know, it's a similar kind of thing to cochlear implants, except it's taking light in and translating those into electrical signals for your optic nerve. I'm seeing it's called Argus 2, and it's 60 versus millions of electrodes. What's yeah, going on there? Yeah, so, so basically, um, it, it has 60 electrodes, kind of like how cochlear implants have 16, but for you to get full photon information that we get from sight, we're talking about millions of neurons. Sure, right? so, so, so you, it's pretty limited. Right, they're you not can, seeing the same kind of thing that we're seeing. You but can it's make still, out some shit. It's very different from not being able to see anything. <laughs> Better than nothing. Yeah, and you know, uh, so we have that kind of stuff. We're kind of going through other nerves. That's not directly into the brain, but we do stuff directly with the brain too. There's something called deep brain stimulation for people who have Parkinson's. So you're basically sending electrical signals deep into the core of the brain. Um, you know, I to... once saw a Tyler Jerry documentary about honey badgers, and that was deep brain stimulation. <laughs> are we, just are the we plugging says... our own fake ads in this episode? They're no, not no, fake. Shut you up. son of a bitch. They're not fake. <laughs> oh when he God. says, the honey badger, that gets like right in the cerebral cortex for me. I was like, I was fucking mid-sentence, and you interrupted me to plug your own fake ad. Don't talk. Just keep talking, baby. I, lo- I love you. Okay, what were you saying about deep brain stimulation? Well, the, the point is that we, we have ways of sending signals into your brain that do seem to have therapeutic effects okay so there are people with parkinson's there are people with epilepsy that you can use different kinds of signals both electric and magnetic that seem to be able to change how neurons are firing and it's not super precise it like kind of targets a zone of your brain and kind of slams it with a bunch of signal but it can be enough to like prevent someone from having a seizure for example and you know for that kind of stuff uh especially for the transcranial magnetic stimulation that is not invasive so you do not need to drill into their heads to do that well fuck dude so we got all this awesome shit like why am i not hooked up to a machine like right now just fucking playing wow well elon musk is coming for you buddy because elon musk he's got that company you know what i'm talking about right 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 the Neuralink company yeah so Neuralink, basically uh i would not call this non-invasive because <laughs> they, they want to go in there and they want to put 3,000 electrodes on sort of these micron-sized polymer threads. So they'll be like these really fine threads that are just like basically sewn into your brain by a robot. 
So it, the robot's pretty freaky looking. It looks like a metal nightmare spider kind of thing. I trust but, Elon implicitly. Let's do this. <laughs> I like don't implicitly. <laughs> but basically, it would be taking and 3,000 electrons. You know, for the retinal one, we were talking 60. For cochlear implants, we're talking 16, right? 3,000 electrons is way more reading potential. And he wants the electrodes to be two-way. So he wants to be able to send signal out of 3,000 spots also. That's why I don't trust it. It's because he's just going to be sending me Russian propaganda like straight to my brain. <laughs> like, I don't... I, how can anyone trust these things right it's now? It's going right? to be South African propaganda. That's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> That's the worst propaganda. But in any case, that one, I feel like... I've had a hard time reading through the literature that they've put out to figure out at what point the robot can start sewing it into your brain. Like, I'm pretty sure they got to take your skull off, right? That seems reasonable. But uh, I don't know if they have to take the Duramator off, too. Right. But in any case, they want to have a robot do it, which is how, pretty nuts. How far away are they from doing that? Uh, they've done it in rats. Okay. And um, there's even a crazy picture of a rat that they've kind of sewn all of these guys into, and then it's all running to a USB plug. Because you need to you need to be able to hook up to that information, right? It's, it, these electrodes are reading a shitload of information out of your brain. How do you how do you read it with the USB 3.0 cable, basically? So, so what's gonna happen when we go through all this? We have like the USB 3.0 plug in our head, and then USB 4.0 comes out. Right, so we so, look like assholes. What, you know, or what happens when Apple decides to come up with their own entirely different like? I fucking peripheral. hate Apple. <laughs> so, so um, what Neuralink wants to do before it gets to that point is to basically have it wirelessly transmitted, near range wireless transmission, and you'd wear something kind of around your ears, almost like hearing aids look, right? So you'd have a hearing aid, and on the other side of that, inside your skull, would be a transmitter that's transmitting all this data. Mm. Um, so you would not have a plug kind of sitting there out of your skin, which, you know... We're Would lucky wireless transmission standards never change, huh? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I don't know how it's all going to work. 5G. It's going to be 5G, baby. Um, but, you know, to, to that point, there's a lot of people who want a more non-invasive strategy, right? And so, you know, one of them is this group called Control Labs. They have this sleeve that you can put on, and the sleeve basically reads your arm neuron movements right so like we're way out of the brain now right mm -hmm. so a signal's traveled out of your brain it's running down your spinal column it goes out to these motor neurons that are way out in your arm but it can pick up basically signals that you were going to send to your hands and since actually our hands are capable of really fine-tuned movements mm -hmm. there's a lot of information that's coded in those neurons and so if they can kind of tease that out it means that you could do things like control a screen, but in like really fine-tuned ways. You could move a mouse around really quickly. You could open up. You could type on a keyboard. All that stuff without actually moving at all. You could just sort of think about moving your hands that way, and eventually train it well enough so that you don't need to move your hands to do it at all. And and we had already talked about DARPA a little bit. Yeah. And like all their cool shit. Yep. I'm seeing some really sexy like sci-fi endless space words here. Unraveling silk web of electrode neural mesh. And then neural dust. What are you talking about? Yeah, so uh, th this is, in a sense, what we were talking about earlier. Uh, neural, so neural DARPA dust is the... Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, neural dust is like nanoparticles. And the nanoparticles you kind of inject into the brain. 
Don't you worry kids are going to like start eating Tide Pods filled with neural dust? Like, that sounds like a drug to me. <laughs> I'm worried kids are going to eat any kind of science. I'm worried about the kids. <laughs> <laughs> but in this case, you know, you inject the nanoparticles in and they go around and they basically land on different neurons and they can potentially enhance the signal. So you get kind of the signal boost, almost like Wi-Fi signal enhancers. And then you can pick them up better through the skull or something like that. The other option, this unraveling silk web thing, is what I was talking about is you, you, you have this kind of nanoscale uh, made out of silk, which is very cool. That's very cool. And you can roll it up really finely into a tube that fits inside of a needle. So we genetically modify silkworms' butts to be bigger. Yep. And they shit out this silk. CRISPR episode. Cool. And then we put in those electrodes. Yep. That's pretty cool. That's right, Skip. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, you know, I, I think there, there's a lot of these cool futuristic options that can limit how invasive it is, you know? Like, what, what, if, what if instead of trying to read the signal out of the brain, we try to read the signal out of the spinal column? Because there's still a lot of neurons in there, right? So there's these other opportunities. Uh, so, you know, I think now we're kind of getting to the speculative areas. So cool. why don't we take a break and then we'll go full-blown into speculation zone. Oh! Hey, Nathan, uh, when was the last time you used the public restroom? Dude, I... Never again, man. I just shit in the bushes. Yeah, that sounds like a pretty good idea. Last time I tried to use one, it was in Venice Beach, and it was just like a mountain of syringes in the bowl. Did you poop? Yeah, yeah, but I got the pokey butt. Luckily, you're already addicted to heroin. So (laughs) so it's besides the point, really. (laughs) Not not a big lifestyle. (laughs) It's kind of a win-win, actually. (laughs) But yeah, man, it, it makes me wish that there was like a Yelp app except for public restrooms. Well, luckily for you, man... We've got a new app we're pitching, and this one, guys, this is going to actually revolutionize your life. It's called Dung Hub, and it's where you can find all the information you need for shitting. Yeah, so we got, we got crowdsourced rating on different public restrooms. Because, you know, some of them, some of them are amazing. Some of them have incense, some of them have magazines. You're going to see that in user reviews uh, out of one to five stars. And then other ones have literal shit on the walls, syringes in the toilet. Those ones, again, you're gonna find user reviews. One star, two star. You're gonna know which bathrooms to go to and which bathrooms to avoid. It's gonna have a waitlist service for the ladies' restroom so that you can go ahead and sign up through the app on the waitlist before you get there so your wait is not as long. They're even starting to work with the industry to put QR codes on all bathroom products so you can actually scan a toilet you really like so that someday you can install when you're renovating your home. Instructions for how to install a bidet. Ratings for nearby proctologists. It's got everything to do with butts and poop. I'm telling you guys, this is the hub that's going to change your life. The app that's going to revolutionize your anus. It is Dung Hub. Download it. And finally, take that good public shit. Okay, guys, we're back with Petri Dish, and now we're going to talk about all the really crazy sci-fi wacky shit with Machine Mind Interface. I didn't even read this section, because Sean, you made it sound so exciting. Yeah, okay, so uh, a little bit of lead-in. There's extremely, extremely early work on something that's a type of mind-machine interface, but is actually more complicated than that. It's a mind-machine-mind interface. What? (laughs) People hooked up together through a computer. Their brains hooked up together. Wow, I don't like that at all. So there have been experiments where they've had dudes sitting in different buildings on a campus. And one guy's looking at a computer screen with something that they need to click. 
you know, like a triangle that needs to get clicked. And then the other dude in a different building has the mouse to actually move the pointer. They both have their brains hooked up to a computer. The guy looking at the screen can send signals to the dude with the mouse to have him move his arm to click on it. Wait, real quick. When we say hooked up to a computer, what do we mean? We mean like they're wearing like the visor thing or... I I would think you would need an actual electrode into your brain for this one. So I'm pretty sure that this one is the Eco-G. So this is under the skull layer, but not like individual electrodes stuck into spots. These guys agreed to have their brain cut open? Science. Oh my God. Yeah. So... But they Everyone could do it. Everyone has a price, right? They could do it. They One dude could be looking at the screen. <laughs> it's a college campus. The price is probably Domino's for two days straight. <laughs> That's not even ethical. And then you the other $50 person. Domino's gift card. We get to drill in your brain. <laughs> the other person could move the mouse. And oh, the, crazy. the person looking at the screen got feedback. They could see the mouse moving on their screen. So basically, across a network, two brains were contributing information to each other. This is going to. It's like Cerebro. Yeah, dude. So Get freaky. the fuck out of my brain, Charles. <laughs> oh my god, that's terrible. <laughs> this is not the most important way to think about it, but this is going to really change some of the MMOs I know because, like, once you can directly, once you can directly communicate with other players, raids. The biggest problem with raids is the response time between players as they coordinate. Sure, you're going to be able to just like destroy World of Warcraft legend that's, uh, uh, dungeons, like just man, like that. No oh my problem. God, I'm so glad you brought this up. Listen. There was an experiment with multiple brains. So it's not just two people. What? <laughs> there was multiple people hooked up. And what was going on was they, they had to make a decision. Okay? Like, it was like, oh, uh, is this object a square? And it was like a yes or no question, right? And you had like 10 people hooked up and one person had to make the final decision. Okay? But they're hooked up to all these people and they could get these sensations like people were agreeing or disagreeing with that idea. And then that person had to end up picking what to do. Without seeing the object? Without seeing the object. Okay, that, that, that makes it way more impressive. I are thought, these, are these I thought chi- the guy was also seeing whether the object yeah, was Yeah, it's like, he just not. knows it's a square! <laughs> so the, the decision maker didn't have all the info. The other people had the info. Is this like a Chinese campus? Are they doing this in America? They're just <laughs> drilling holes into people and having to look at squares and circles in America? <laughs> America, China, all over the place, man. People are working on this shit. What is the form you sign when it says, you're gonna, <laughs> I'm going to get a hole in my brain for this? But check it out, okay? Listen, if we had the bandwidth to do this to its fullest extent, you wouldn't just share decision-making information. You could share whole things like emotions, like actually make people feel how you feel without having to use words to transmit that information. There, there'd a be social no, justice warrior. There would be no symbolism in between the ability to cause people to be fully empathetic to how you're feeling or thinking. The world would be destroyed. <laughs> That's the worst imaginable situation. You it could is, transmit. The layer of symbols and culture between us is the only thing that keeps us away from being just like murderous creatures. Nah, dude. That's the Tower of Babel. We could have built that tower all the so, way up. Well, maybe this is the opposite, right? Maybe you can take people who don't have any empathy and like teach it to them. Right. Or you see people in their truest form and it makes you hate people more. But what if, what if you could even use this technology further to do things like remove harmful emotions like PTSD or change addiction? Have you seen no dystopic films? Yeah, or check this out. What if you use it as a hacker to cause people to have PTSD? Okay, so what I'm saying is that I think that this technology, if taken to its logical conclusion 
will actually fundamentally change our interactions with with knowledge and each other. Ideas would be able to be transferred whole without having to be changed into words or podcasts or any kind of imperfect shit. Entire whole ideas could be transmitted amongst people. Sure, this would be the true singularity. Right. It's, well, hold on. It's a nice idea, but just like the internet was a nice idea when it was like, oh, it'll be so easy to transmit information around the world. Like, yes. Like, it seemed like a really good idea, but now it kind of seems like, like it's just as easy to transmit bad information. Right. That's why I'm saying the world would die. No, I mean, I think this is the truth of it, right. is that mind-machine interface is the same kind of thing as the internet. Okay, that basically, we've had our minds, and for the longest time, the way that we've communicated information, I mean, because technically, there was a period before when, you know, humans were not speaking words to each other. Right. right. And then there was language, and then there was writing, and so we've had these different. That's where we went wrong. <laughs> language. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's been these. We should just fucking kill implementations in order for one mind to communicate with another, right? And we've done things like outsource memory to the internet. At a certain point, we could use mind-machine interfaces to have true direct communication and not all minds are things that maybe you want to talk to it's interesting because this is someone who doesn't come out of science like we are getting uncomfortably close to really answering basic philosophical questions <laughs> like i don't like how close we are to really settling the score between Rousseau and hobbes about whether we're good or evil i don't like it i like the fact that we've never been able to really answer that once we hook up brain to brain that closely we're gonna know and it's going to be crazy. <laughs> yeah, and you know, brain to brain is going to be a crazy one, but what about brain to AI? When there's the point where there's an AI hooked up to the internet, it knows all that stuff and we are directly communicating with it. 42. It, it Look, can yeah. It's bad enough that everything that is being said in our living rooms and kitchens is being picked up by Alexa. <laughs> but, like, when our every thought is being picked up by Alexa, I'm a little concerned. Yeah, like, hasn't it, like, AIs are, are always end up being racist because of us? <laughs> I mean, aren't we worried about if they hear every thought, they're going to be everythingist? It, it's a good question of uh, what are we going to do if we truly had full access to everything? It's terrifying because we don't know the answer, right? Like, we've right. always been able to clothe human nature in all sorts of anthropology, what we're talking about is really stripping all that away and, and seeing each other's human nature and its its fullest naked truth. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying, man. That's what I love about this topic is it's not just about getting to like Doc Ock style control robotic arms. This is about what is going to happen when there's an extra layer on top of your brain, but that's also always there, right? The, the extra layer of the sum total of human knowledge and all other brains potentially communicating with you. It's funny because I've always kind of found certain political philosophical questions annoying because they strike me as unanswerable. Uh -huh. But like once you get to the point where we have that layer, haven't we really transcended our basic metaphysical form and have become a new metaphysical entity? Yeah, I don't fucking know. I guess I mean, it, it seems fundamentally different from what our existence is now. Right? Like, it's hard to fathom what that would feel like and, and how you would maintain a sense of self. And I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we'd be totally different. We'd be homo superior. David Bowie. I mean, what's really scary is the fact that you know it would... Yeah, right? <laughs> Stacey, love that. Stacey in the corner being like, Ooh, I like it! <laughs> no, but, but I mean, what, what I think is interesting is how, like, I'm sure it'll still partition into 
power as it exists today, you'd have different communities, different polities, you know, like creating different amounts of mind to mind interfaces. And so, you know, it, it probably wouldn't actually solve anything that I think it might solve because you wouldn't create one huge human global community. You'd probably create little communes that would be influenced by certain Hobbesian or Rousseauian assumptions. And you would just relitigate all the same philosophical questions. You've just changed the unit of analysis from each empirical human to each empirical human collective. I mean, maybe, dude. All I got to say is that I do think there's something fundamentally different when faced with the possibility of truly feeling what another person feels. I think there's a certain barrier that exists because, like, we're, we're all ourselves. You know what I mean? Like, and and we, we only know what we are. Truly. Other people are like at least moderately a mystery to us. No longer having that mystery. I think that that kind of extreme empathy is like human changing. I, I don't know. You guys don't think it'll be something kind of like how it is now online where people are, are in, in a sense get to be their true selves hiding behind this like screen and their true selves often end up just being like awful racist trolls. It depends on how much control there is in what you put out and take in. You're right. Know? And I don't know. I don't know. This shit is coming. Do you guys, like, you know right. what I mean? Like, this stuff is coming. It's not 10 years down the road. It's further than that. But just like CRISPR is coming and the implications are clear and are already happening, mind-machine interface, that shit's coming. And we, we need to start having ethical conversations about, like, what the fuck that's going to look like. Dude, we can't have ethical conversations about Southern California being on fire. <laughs> right? Like, we can't have ethical conversations about, like, Donald Trump. He's president every day of our lives. We can't have ethical conversations about him. We're f***ed, dude. Yeah, well, now, now the people know. Okay, wait. I have, a, I have a quick question, though. Yeah. Andre, who would you be willing to be linked mind to mind with? absolutely no one right sean <laughs> who I, would, would you? I would be a holdout on that technology yeah for sure I, I just like 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 any social media i would be like you know what let i me, don't know let me sit this one out <laughs> i'm gonna wait to feel it out yeah. how many rohingya die from this technology i would and be I'll a late adopter later. personally <laughs> yeah. sean how about you would you mind to mind with anybody paul rudd paul rudd <laughs> <laughs> okay now this is real talk stacy would you mind to mind with me, your husband? That's all right. Whoa, the feeling, that's a hell no out of Stacey. The feeling is mutual. <laughs> I think a lot of things. <laughs> on, on, do we have anything else to talk about, though? Because I'm scared now. Yeah, let's wrap it, baby. Well, thank you guys for listening. <laughs> yeah, I hope you enjoyed it. Woo! If you thought that was stimulating or really fucked up, please tweet at us, at Dish Podcast. Email us. PetriDishPod at gmail.com. Sign up for Patreon, patreon.com slash PetriDish. Thanks to Stacy, our sound lord who doesn't want to mind to mind with her husband, but that's all right. Thanks to Brian Allen, Art. Thank you to Andre for coming in on another episode. Thanks for having me. Woo! Yeah, and thank you, listeners. Uh, I'm, I'm going to start closing it out with Ich benign Science. Ich benign Science! <laughs>